the Cancer Prevention Protocol. Hey guys and gals, this is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and the podcast that follows is the result of a bit of an obsession that I've got with preventing cancer. There's certain things that I really don't want. So I read a couple of books on this topic. I did a lot of oogling of research papers there on PubMed. And I've actually got a bit of new science. I've got a bit of science to share here, which I don't believe is published elsewhere. It's actually over there on LimitlessMindset.com, linked in the article that you can find below wherever you are listening to this podcast. And if you feel if you feel as strongly about this subject as I do, you're definitely going to want to go and check out this article on my website. There in the article, I have got all of my scientific references for everything. I have got recommendations for some of the different biohacks that I'm going to talk about here. And I've got some graphics that you're going to want to take a gander at so you can wrap your head around this whole subject. And because this is a really important thing, uh, you really don't want cancer and you really don't want people in your life to get it. And there actually is a lot of risk out there, unfortunately, sadly. I'd suggest that you share this podcast and I'd suggest that you actually send it via direct message or email to someone in your life, could be friends, family, uh, coworker, whoever. And boy, this is a tough subject because it's one of these subjects that people tend to not really care about until it's too late. People tend to 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 not take preventative steps. Uh, sadly, the human bias is towards is towards wanting cures for our problems instead of wanting to prevent our problems. So this is what I might suggest to you because this is such an important topic that we really do want to get the word out on. It can save so much life and prevent so much suffering. I suggest that you send this presentation to someone you know who has had a close friend or family member that struggled with cancer. And that person is going to be a bit more open. That person is going to be a person that's going to think more about prevention. So please do that. Let, let me know what kind of responses you get to that. So let's dive in. And we'll start with the bad news. In 2020, the world was paralyzed by fear of COVID-19. Many of us now wear masks in public. 
either voluntarily or involuntarily, as a preventative measure to stop the spread and hopefully protect ourselves from contracting the virus. While the media and the state have compelled us to take this preventative measure, there's another epidemic that you hear a lot less about, which is significantly more likely to ruin your life or the life of someone you care about. That would be the cancer epidemic, the monstrous specter of which cannot be overstated. I'll quote from the book, The Cancer Industry. Quote, the American Cancer Society estimates that almost half of everybody alive today will develop cancer at some point in their lives. And the World Health Organization predicts a 50% rise in cancer diagnoses by the year 2020. Boy, that is a sobering statistic, isn't it? The American Cancer Society is saying that the average American has a coin flips chance of getting cancer one day, which is really not that hard to believe because almost everybody has a friend or family member who has struggled with cancer. There are certain things in life that you shouldn't fret and worry about unless they actually happen to you. But cancer is not one of them. Like becoming overweight or getting fired from your job, it's one of those things that's so bad that it's worth worrying about and even making some sacrifices to prevent. The main reason that I suspect cancer is so prevalent is that the things that cause cancer don't give you cancer right away. Let me say that again, because it's kind of an important point. The things that cause cancer don't give you cancer right away. If you ate bad food and then got really sick just a few hours later, like really sick, like on your knees before the toilet sick, you would learn to not eat that bad unhealthy food, junk food or whatever. But cancer is typically the result of decades and decades of not that bad seeming behavior. If you buy a lottery ticket every day, you don't feel like you're dooming yourself financially because it only costs a couple of bucks. But the opportunity cost of buying a lottery, a lottery ticket daily for decades becomes huge. If you need further evidence that us humans aren't very good at thinking about the future, just consider that about half of Americans buy lottery tickets. That's right. Just about half of, of us do. Spending on average, get this, you're about to lose a bit more faith in humanity, or at least 
Americans spending on average $1,038 per person yearly. The good news, and it's very good news, is that preventing cancer is not terribly complicated or expensive. In fact, if you buy lottery tickets, and if you listen to my podcast, you you probably don't. You're probably not the kind of person that does that. If you did buy lottery tickets, though, if you instead selectively invested that money in your health, you wouldn't have to worry much about cancer. In this podcast, we'll break down the science and evidence on the cancer prevention measures you can take. You should implement all of them because cancer really sucks. But we'll look at a number of options from the Kia to the Mercedes-Benz. You know what I mean. The the Kia option, the affordable entry-level option versus uh, Mercedes-Benz, all the bells and whistles type option. But I want to discuss antioxidants versus cancer. This is an important thing to understand. Free radicals are a significant causal factor in cancer. You can imagine your ideal body as a pristine and smoothly functioning city. The trains run on time, children don't run in the streets, and dog walkers clean up dog poop after their dogs. It's a pretty great place to live. But there's a problem. You start getting a lot of anarchists in the city. They break windows of businesses, burn cars, spray paint obscenities in parks, and block traffic on the highways. Now, life isn't so great in the city. Chaos begets more chaos, and if it's allowed to continue, eventually all productivity in the city will grind to a halt. In this admittedly imperfect metaphor, the anarchists are like free radicals in your body. So, Let's continue with this metaphor, and we'll even make it a bit funny, a bit cheeky. It turns out that what the anarchists are really angry about is that they have been trying to find love on Tinder or other online dating apps, and they just can't seem to meet someone nice. They just can't find anyone decent to, uh, you know, to, to spend their time with, to, to enjoy life with. So the city recruits a crack team of expert matchmakers who start hooking the anarchists up with eligible young ladies and gentlemen. Now the anarchists are spending their time going on dates, walking hand-in-hand with their boyfriends or girlfriends in the city parks, and their evenings, Netflix and chillin' with their significant 
others. Now, the anarchists are causing a lot less trouble, and life is just peachy in the city. The nice girlfriends and boyfriends that restore tranquility, in the metaphor, they are representing antioxidants. So, antioxidants are pretty important in preventing cancer, but you probably already knew that. And plenty of people that regularly eat dark chocolate and blueberries still get cancer. This is why biohackers take things a step further with super antioxidants. Which brings us to a discussion of ESS60, the super antioxidant, as I call it. So, you're going to want to check out the nice 3D diagram that I've got of this. But, as you can see, it's a symmetrical molecule. A 60-atom carbon Buckminster Fullerene, often called C60. The 2012 landmark C60 study that put it on the anti-aging map was done at the University of Paris. Quote, These results of importance in the fields of medicine and toxicology should open the way for the many possible and waited-for biomedical applications of C60, including cancer therapy. The lead researcher in the study was Dr. Fatih Mosa, and he discussed in an interview how the rats in these studies almost always die with tumors, and notably the rats who received C60 in olive oil did not develop tumors. This result was replicated with P53 knockout rats, which are, get this, genetically modified to develop tumors. Even these rats did not develop cancer on C60, which, if you're a believer in reincarnation, you better just uh, make sure you live an upstanding and virtuous life lest you be reincarnated as a P53 knockout rat genetically destined to, uh, to die of nasty tumors. Boy, it's, it's amazing some of the things that scientists do, right? According to the seminal French animal study done with C60, it is 172 times more powerful than vitamin C. So you can see why it's well worth your attention. High quality C60 is not cheap. So it falls on the Mercedes-Benz side of the cancer prevention options. The purest form of C60 is ESS 60. Shortly, we'll look at the evidence and discuss what distinguishes C60 from ESS60. And my recommended source on that is My Vital C, which is a American 
a chemical manufacturing operation based in Texas. I did try uh, their stuff. I evaluated their stuff for a couple of months. And I do link to my biohacker review of their stuff on this webpage. So you will want to check that out. I would suggest before you, before you order anything. There are well over 40 scientific papers and studies evaluating specifically C60's anti-cancer effects, but some of the most promising research is not published. I'll delve into it here. So I'm a big fan of free market science. And there's a collection of in vivo C60 animal studies done by Live Pet LLC of Austin, Texas, wherein these sarcomas, human pancreatic cancer, human prostate cancer, and canine osteosarcoma D17 cell line were treated in lab rats with C60. And I've got a link to where that is documented. I've got the data on these trials linked through this article. And the, the trials themselves are, are summarized. Quote, in only one case of the three namely canine osteosarcoma, was a serum able to completely eradicate the cancer and seemingly prevent regrowth of any further masses. The most compelling point of note is not that the serum was able to eliminate a malignant tumor, as many chemotherapy agents are able to perform the same task, but that it was achieved using C60 serum that enhanced the mouse's overall physical resilience, immune system response, and longevity. So in all three trials, four to six weeks of serum therapy put cancer into retreat, and it eradicated the osteosarcoma. Also, C60 decreases inflammatory cytokines. According to a 2015 dog study, which was entitled Safety and Efficacy of a Test Compound on the Quality of Life in Dogs Over Three Years of Age, a collaboration between Live Pet LLC of Austin, Texas, and Liberty Research Inc. of Waverly, New York. And the study concluded, quote, administration of the test compound at 5x1x3x of the therapeutic dose did not indicate any toxicity was efficacious in improving the quality of life in dogs over three years of age when compared to the -the over-the-counter anti-inflammatory products administered 
and showed a decrease in inflammation with optimal decrease in pro-inflammatory cytokines occurring in animals treated with the test compound at half the therapeutic dose when blood samples were collected approximately 24 hours following test compound administration. You've probably heard of inflammation, episodic, acute inflammation, even of the immune system is a natural mechanism. It's okay. But chronic inflammation is a big problem, which is upstream of cancer. Ian Mitchell, the lead researcher of these studies with different types of cancer, the sarcomas, carcinomas, and lymphomas, reported in an interview, which I do link to, he said, we've worked with over 20 different cancers and had great responses with all of them and C60. And I know what the skeptic might be thinking, and I am a big fan of skepticism. You might be thinking, so this company that sells C60 for pets funded science that demonstrates that their product cures cancer. Seems like they might have a bit of a conflict of interest there. Sure, this gets at deeper philosophical questions about human nature, institutions, power, authority, and morality. But you get what you pay for. So somebody needs to pay for science. Publicly funded science tends to be hamstrung by perverse political influence. And university funded science is at the mercy of the petty politics of academia, which is often deeply dogmatic. If I were elected world emperor of science, this, this is what I would do. This is how I would handle the funding of science. I would take a more libertarian approach and fund science solely via crowdfunding. Interested citizens would select scientific projects that appealed to them to fund out of their own pockets. But I would demand some skin in the game on behalf of the scientists. So the scientists would be required to cover personally something like 10 to 25% of the cost of the science out of their own funds. Science being conducted and funded by small or medium-sized businesses headed by scientists like Ian Mitchell that develop products based upon that science is not that far off from the voluntarist libertarian ideal that I imagine. So do do let me know if you uh, if you want to vote for me as world emperor of of science. I've I've got some some winning ideas. I've got some forward thinking for the for the world if they're if they would only be receptive. 
and to fully understand why I see free market, privately funded science as more or at least equally credible to that funded by taxpayers, universities, and big pharma, you'd want to check out my book review of Rigor Mortis, How Sloppy Science Creates Worthless Cures, Crushes Hope, and Wastes Billions. This was another one of my real deep dive book reviews that I did. It's going to be really eye-opening for you, and I do have that in this same podcast feed. So you can go and check out Rigor Mortis, or I've got that linked in this article. And finally, I would just urge everyone to familiarize themselves with the philosophy of Nassim Taleb, the guy who invented the word anti-fragile. And if you can wrap your mind around that 700-page tome of a book and his whole his whole philosophy you'll understand why skin in the game science is so much more credible to someone who has a pragmatic realistic outlook on human nature philosophy aside let's summarize some more of the recently published science from the abstract of a recent paper published on C60 the results demonstrate that the inhibition, along with the suppression of autophagic degradation, presents a promising strategy for improving the anti-tumor efficacy of nano-C60. And a recent Ukrainian study suggested that it could be useful in combating drug resistance of leukemic cancer cells. And another Ukrainian study concluded, quote, pristine C60 fullerenes efficiently inhibit the transplanted malignant tumor growth and metastasis. Also, a 2019 European study found a synergy between C60 and photodynamic, this is using light, therapy for cancer treatment. And finally, a Chinese study found that C60 makes chemotherapy more effective in killing cancer cells via an autophagy mechanism. And I'll just quote from that study, our results for the first time revealed a novel and more potent derivative of the C60 nanoparticle in enhancing the cytotoxicity of chemotherapeutic agents and reducing drug resistance through autophagy modulation which may ultimately lead to novel therapeutic strategies in cancer therapy. So at this point, we've got a big question looming. A question should be arising in your mind. Is C60 a cancer cure? Well, to answer that billion-dollar 
question, in the affirmative, there would need to be multiple gold standard human clinical trials done demonstrating that C60 outperformed a placebo curing cancer in the subjects or at least preventing metastasis. And there isn't that evidence that science does not exist at this point. I'd be a lot less bearish, though, about calling it a dog or rat cancer cure. The dog sarcoma trials provide a lot of reason for optimism, as does the anecdotal evidence from our fellow non-furry bipedal mammals who have used C60. If a loved one of mine was diagnosed with cancer, I would enthusiastically recommend C60, along with whatever cancer-fighting strategy their doctors identified, mostly because C60 is risk-free. There's virtually no downside to it. It's just carbon and olive oil. But I would simply share the super antioxidant metaphor above with them. I wouldn't make any outlandish promises that weren't supported by human clinical trials. C60 has been recognized as a promising cancer therapy for decades. So the fact that mainstream medicine, academia, and the pharmaceutical industrial complex, all with their billions and billions and billions of dollars, the fact that they have not funded clinical cancer trials with C60, well, that speaks volumes about these institutions and those adjacent to them. While I might fantasize about opening up an alternative cancer treatment therapy center somewhere in the world treating patients with C60, if I actually did that, I'd have to check under my car for firebombs every time I got in it. As a professional biohacker, I'm very vigilant about my health. I read books to stay on the cutting edge of dietary science and am very particular about what I eat. The last time I had a Snickers bar, George H.W. Bush was president. I also don't smoke, drink much, or indulge in any really bad vices. I use a medicinal red light therapy device daily. I consume a small fortune's worth of high-quality nutraceutical and herbal health supplements every year. I fast. I do a 16-hour daily fast, and once a week, at least, I do 24-hour fasts. I do meditation regularly. I exercise. All around, I'm probably in like 
the top 1% of most healthy 36-year-olds. Yet, I still feel compelled to take C60 as a cancer preventative for several reasons. I live in a big, bustling city that has got a real air pollution problem. I'm not quite ready to to leave the city where I live. I like it quite a bit here. Secondly, I'm getting blasted by EMFs daily from my Wi-Fi, from my smartphone, from the neighbor's Wi-Fi and the neighbor's smartphones, and from the new 5G towers going up around town. It's probably the same story for you. I try to use organic body wash and personal care products, but you never really know if they are actually organic. While my wife and I are very selective about what we prepare and eat at home, a couple of times a month we eat out at the better restaurants in town. And even the best restaurants sometimes use toxic, cheap, poofa oils to cook their food. Yes, even if you ask them not to. I use nicotine daily as a nootropic. Some science suggests that nicotine itself may be slightly carcinogenic, but there's no conclusive science on the causality between nicotine and cancer. But if I'm being honest, it's probably not a risk-free performance enhancer. Also, I get a bit of secondhand smoke from time to time from my 70-year-old Bulgarian mother-in-law who has been chain-smoking for about half a century now. And finally, when I'm socializing with friends or celebrating something with my wife, I like to have a few drinks, cut loose a bit from time to time. If you're similarly vigilant about your health, sorry, you're not off the hook on cancer. The modern world is still doing its damnedest to give you cancer. So if you can afford it, C60 should be among the cancer prevention hacks in your biohacker toolbox. Let's move on to the next cancer prevention measure. It is avoid lectins. You may have noticed that more people than ever before are getting cancer, especially in the Western quote-unquote developed world where so many people are passionate about healthy living. Every day you'll encounter a multiplicity of advertisements pitching you healthy products. Magazines, books, websites, podcasts, YouTube channels, and TV shows about health are among the most popular. Yet, the cancer rates continue to climb. There must be 
something that the gargantuan health industry has been missing. One of the main things that doesn't get the attention it deserves contributing to the cancer epidemic is lectins. And I'll explain these if you uh, haven't heard of them before. So when I get into a debate with a vegan slash vegetarian slash animal rights warrior, I have to explain to them that they are still asserting their dominance as an apex predator because plants don't like being eaten either. In fact, plants fight back with lectins, tiny toxic proteins that sneak across the intestinal barrier and wreak havoc in our bodies. A lot of autoimmune diseases are downstream from lectin overdose, which is exacerbated by antibiotics, excessive protein intake, and the general toxicity of modernity. The excellent book, The Plant Paradox, by Dr. Stephen Gundry, explains, quote, but the most dangerous trick pulled by lectins, which I now see on a daily basis in my patients, is that they bear an uncanny similarity to the proteins on many of our important organs, nerves, and joints. Now, in an abundance of caution, your immune system doesn't want to make a mistake in defending your body by not attacking something important. In the days before antibiotics, you would have been in big trouble if bacteria were present in your body, which is why your immune system is hypersensitive to anything that even remotely resembles a bacterial cell wall or other foreign protein. So you probably already know a bit about autoimmune diseases. You probably know somebody that suffers from an autoimmune condition. To explain the autoimmunity cancer connection, I'll draw a historical illusion. As World War I drew on, the Central Powers injected a viral meme into their enemies. They sent the communist Vladimir Lenin in a sealed train to Russia, where he fermented the Bolshevik Revolution. Russia withdrew from the war as more and more Russian soldiers embraced communism, which probably seemed like a good idea at the time, and turned their weapons on their countrymen. A simplification of a very complicated historical episode, but this is a decent metaphor for how lectins cause chronic autoimmune 
friendly fire, distracting the immune system from fighting the real enemy, cancer. And I know what you're probably thinking at this point. You're saying, Jonathan, now you're telling me that plants are unhealthy and potentially cause cancer? What the heck am I supposed to eat then, man? Water? What am I supposed to eat, man? <laughs> no, don't worry. You don't need to go on an all-water-all-the-time diet. You just need to be more selective about the plants that you do eat. Here's some lectin-rife foods to avoid, and I've got a nice photo of these in the article. Tomatoes, pumpkin, oh no, don't take my pumpkin away from me, quinoa. I always found quinoa to be terribly boring. Corn, zucchini, cucumbers, wheat-based foods, cashews, yes, sorry, I'm taking your cashews away from you, lentils, I never liked lentils, they're just a source of unending farts for me. Speaking of unending farts, beans, beans have tons of lectins in them, chili peppers, that's right, maybe you're a person like me that grew up on spicy, spicy Mexican food, and that is just a deluge of lectins. That's part of the reason why a lot of people have digestion issues with Mexican food. Green beans, squashes, legumes, bell peppers, eggplant, soy product, and finally peanuts. These are all lectin-rife foods that you'd want to cut down on. Also, I'll explain why fruit is a pro-cancer food. Quote, cancer cell mitochondria rely on the extremely inefficient system of sugar fermentation also used by yeasts and bacteria. This means that the average cancer cell needs up to 18 times more sugars to grow and divide than do normal cells. That's not all. Cancer cells prefer to ferment sugar in the form of fructose rather than glucose. So there's another reason to give fruit the boot. So, sorry, you shouldn't be chowing down on tasty fruit on the regular. Unfortunately, they were not honest with you when you were in public schooling and they told you that that fruit is healthy. That was that was a big fat lie along with uh, probably other lies that they taught you. So, maybe you're now thinking Okay, so all these plant-based foods are problematic. I'll just do the carnivore diet then. Join, uh, join Michaela Peterson in the, uh, in the carnivore diet. And I'm going to say to you, not so fast. Less is more when it comes to protein. Look at the palm of your hand. Take your hand out. Look down, look at the palm of your hand. From your wrist to 
your fingers to the the beginnings of your fingers to where your fingers emerge that's about how much meat you should be consuming daily and don't get me wrong i love meat but most meat that you might get at the grocery store or even a nice restaurant is factory farmed which means that it's from an animal that was fed corn and antibiotics its whole miserable life that's precisely what we want to avoid eat less meat and splurge on the really good stuff when you do also it's damn near impossible to get truly organic chicken. It's wise to just steer clear of chicken. Next, I'll share with you some encouraging anecdotes from the book. Melinda Y., a new 77-year-old patient, had diabetes, which was in itself serious. But her bigger problem was the large squamous cell cancers on both her legs. The tumors were too large for surgery and chemotherapy is notoriously ineffective for lesions this large. She had heard in online chat rooms that all would not be lost if she followed what I had suggested for other cancer patients. She flew into Palm Springs for a visit. I immediately placed her on the Keto Plant Paradox Intensive Care Program. Within six months, not only did her diabetes disappear, but her cancers also completely resolved. It's an amazing but true story about the power of this program. He beat cancer twice. A single parent with three lovely children, Earl F. is 53 and HIV positive. He first came to see me 10 years ago, but I did not see him again for four years when he reappeared, looking sheepish. He had just been diagnosed by biopsy with prostate cancer with a Gleason score of 3 plus 3 equals 6, which indicates the relative aggressiveness of the cancer and therefore its severity. He had also gained 20 pounds in the interval. Could I help him beat the cancer? Earl went on the Keto Plant Paradox Intensive Care Program, eating generous amounts of flax seeds and supplementing with the Brassica tea patented by John Hopkins. Two months later, a much slimmer Earl's repeated biopsies showed no prostate cancer. He thanked me and, like before, disappeared, canceling his scheduled appointments. Three years later, he suddenly resurfaced again, looking sheepish, but with a large healing incision on his scalp. He had recently undergone 
extensive neurosurgery to remove part of a huge glioblastoma multiform, one of the most feared forms of brain cancer. Unfortunately, the tumor's location was such that not all of it could be removed. Earl was receiving both chemo and radiation therapy, but his research had convinced him that things looked bleak. Could I help again? Luckily, he was an old hand at the Keto Plant Paradox program, and we dove right in. He upped his vitamin D levels to above 110 per milliliter and added additional cancer-arresting supplements. Once we saw that he was making progress with the diet and his lab results, Earl scheduled his next appointment. But, as before, he disappeared. Then, two and a half years after his surgery, he walked back into the office bearing CT scans, MRIs, and PET scans of his brain, all of which showed no tumor and only scar tissue. Wow, Earl must have been a a happy cancer and they could proceed with their on-again, off-again relationship. Don't worry, the plant paradox program mentioned here is not some overhyped, overpriced thing being sold. It's a do-it-yourself diet program laid bare in Dr. Gundry's $13 best-selling book and proven by the success and health of thousands of his patients. It includes, I do recommend this book, as it includes an extensive list of lectin-safe foods and veggies. I put the plant paradox pretty close to the top of the list of must-reads for cancer-free biohackers. Moving on, let's talk about fasting. It shouldn't come as a surprise to you that fasting is a powerful, full-spectrum cancer prevention biohack. First, it empowers the immune system to fight cancer. Walter Longo, professor of gerontology and the biological sciences at the University of California, has studied fasting extensively. His research indicates that fasting is one of the best things you can do for your immune system. To quote some of Dr. Longo's responses and remarks that appeared in the UK's Telegraph, quote, When you starve, the system tries to save energy. And one of the things it can do to save energy is to recycle a lot of the immune cells that are not needed, especially those that may be damaged. It gives the okay for stem cells to go ahead and begin proliferating and rebuild the entire system. To repeat, fasting rebuilds the entire immune system, 
that's remarkable, isn't it? Fasting causes autophagy when your body gets rid of old and unhealthy cells. And this rejuvenates the entire immune system. Next, fasting starves cancer. It's important to understand that cancer cells are impatient. They want glucose, sugar, and they want it now. They aren't content to wait around on your body to convert your fat stores into energy. Professor Longo authored the authoritative paper, Fasting and Caloric Restriction in Cancer Prevention and Treatment, which emphasizes the preventative power of fasting and caloric restriction. Quote, Studies on caloric intake that delay organismal aging emphasize the preventative role of caloric restriction in cancer establishment. Over a century ago, the first direct relationship between chronic caloric restriction and the prevention of tumor transplantation in mice was demonstrated. Several studies indicate that fasting has the potential to prevent and treat diseases and promote health in humans. The paper concludes, Taken together, these results indicate that periodic fasting and fasting-mimicking diets have the potential to play an important complementary role in medicine by promoting disease prevention, enhancing disease treatment, delaying the aging process, and stimulating stem cell-based regeneration. It's important to understand that the vast majority of cancer deaths, something like 90%, are a result of metastasis. According to research out of John Hopkins, and fasting deprives the cancer of the fuel it needs to metastasize. I recommend habituating three types of fasting. First, intermittent daily fasting. Do all your eating within about an eight-hour window. So skip breakfast and snacking in the a.m., just eat lunch and dinner. And then secondly, doing a weekly 24-hour fast. So you want to go a full day without eating. The first time you do this, you'll get a bit hungry and uncomfortable, but it quickly becomes very easy to do. And you'll grow to really Look forward to uh, an epic meal that you'll have to break the fast. I typically fast from Sunday lunch to Monday lunch. And then finally, you want to do a multi-day fast a few times yearly. Once, twice, or thrice a year, challenge yourself with a two to four hour day fast. This 
type of fast is what Professor Longo above is talking about when he says that fasting rebuilds the immune system. And to, con to conclude here, the great thing about fasting is that it's free. In fact, if you habituate these three types of fasts, you're cutting down from, get this, I, I did a little bit of very simple math on this, you can do it too. If you habituate these three types of fasts, you're cutting down from 21 meals weekly to 11. You're cutting your food budget almost in half. That money saved really adds up. So you can splurge a bit on high quality meat, spendier biohacks like C60, a gym membership, or a vacation to the beach where you can swim in the ocean, getting some much needed negative ion exchange with the planet, which is also a cancer prevention biohack. So that's my deep dive on preventing cancer. I do hope that you can implement everything that I've talked about here. I dare say if you even just implement a few things, you'll reduce your risk pretty dramatically. So do drop me a comment, a message via social media, or even an email letting me know what sort of cancer prevention biohacks you implement. I'm always curious about what you guys and gals out there are doing. I'm Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, looking forward to a continued conversation with you.